everybody, it's Barry again, and it's actually the day after Christmas here that I'm doing this um, recording, which is probably a bit late, because this is actually kind of a Christmassy type um, podcast or blog that you're watching. But it's it's a message that really relates to every day of the year for some of us, and I think it's relevant for any time. And it's 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 that really have you ever been felt like your brain is caught in a tug of war you know and you're pulled and torn in different directions uh, your values your rules uh, expectations belief pull you one way but you you have a pull dragging you to another point and it's like you're caught in this tug of war between the two things and there's contradictions to the normal that kind of pull you out of the comfort zone you know like bible stories are, um, walking on water which is of course peter like come on walking on water or you're asked to climb a mountain to make a sacrifice and it's your son you know we're talking about abraham here or you're asked to marry a prostitute um, we're talking about Hosea, or everything you've been told all your life not to eat because it's against religious rules. It's laid out before you and told to, to eat it. And it's that tug of war, that place, what, what am I doing? And I've found in those places, which I've had a few, that you need like a voice of security to kind of cut through the tension of the conflict and um, do you want to stay safe or do you want to have an adventure and there is a character in the Christmas story that I think often goes under applauded and I think he was caught in that tug of war place and in the Christmas story of course all the focus is on the baby Jesus and on the mother and not much about Joseph and so the focus of this little post here is about Joseph and I'm going to read you um, this story and it's got lots of backstory questions that never get fully answered and tied off as neat as a Christmas bow, eh? <laughs> it really doesn't. And you've got to think about, because um, the Christmas story, you know, what we what we have so much in our story, there's a lot that's been added into it, like like a nice little <laughs> inn or place. Well, it's probably in a cave. But tell me, who was the midwife? Um, did baby Jesus cry? Probably. Um, there's so much <laughs> that have been added into the story. But I would like to, I would have loved to spend some time with Joseph. So this is this is the story from the Bible. Okay, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Okay, a young couple, they're engaged, betrothed. But before the marriage took place, while she was a, still a virgin, she became pregnant. Hello! <laughs> First thing, like, what? No. Um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, another, like, huh? And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man 
and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Like, I understand, you know, Joseph, you 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 um got this young girl, but she's now pregnant. Hello, uh, how did that happen? And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, <laughs> it's incredible too, isn't it? Uh, and all of this occurred, according to, this is what Matthew, who wrote this version of the Christmas story, um, he says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. That's Matthew chapter 1. Look, Joseph must have had a huge dilemma going on in his brain. Engaged to Mary, but she's pregnant. I haven't had sex with her, so how is she pregnant? She must have had some sex with someone else. She says the baby is from God. She talked to an angel. Seriously? Mystery upon mystery. And then, then all of the questions and judgments from others come flying at him, I'm sure. You know, the accusations said and unsaid. He had sex outside of marriage. What a weak man. She had sex out of marriage. Now she's pregnant. Tut, tut, tut. He'll never become anything. She'll be on the outside of our group. Stones of shame. You know, must have... They must have feared a lot of um, terrible things happening to them. You see, all the rules were broken, uh, all the religious protocols thrown to the side. You see, when you walk with, you walk a fine and lonely line when God hands you an assignment like this. Everything you say and do is up microscopic judgment. You are like Job, wondering what God is up to. You are Jonah, sitting in the belly of a smelly large fish, wondering what will happen next, and if it will be good. You are Abraham, pulling a knife to kill a son. You walk alone, trusting and praying for assurance to take the next step. God, where are you? Life wasn't meant to be like this. Pain, confusion, struggle. So what you do is you retreat to the conventional, the normal, the logical, the expected. Joseph decided to break the engagement quietly. That is the most logical and right thing to do, isn't it? Right in the sense that this is what you do when you can't logically figure things out and make sense of it. Um, it's it, We like living in a box. We like certainty and order. It makes us feel safe and in control. For Joseph, he was planning to divorce pregnant Mary. He was planning to break commitments made, sever the connection, and detach from the problem. 
the tug of war in his brain would find release because he was doing what the law said he could do. And into this battle zone of the brain, God brings a dream. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. <laughs> God's angel spoke to him. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. <laughs> God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. <laughs> she will bring a son to birth. <laughs> and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves. That's what it means. Jesus, God saves. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, this is all we know of the dream. The, the writer, Matthew, shares what he has been told. And it's a dream of intervention. Powerful, vivid, and intense. It's enough to solidify Joseph into choosing to continue the, the mystery of a virgin being pregnant. Look at that. He will always have questions about this forever in his life. He'll always like, I, 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 I don't, I, I can't make complete sense. Um, running up against the safety requirements of the human brain comes a baby born to a virgin. That doesn't make sense. How can this be? And quite frankly, we still have this question. It's a mystery. He, like Mary, probably forever pondered these things in his heart. And questions often bring us to places of choice. Do I trust in a God who holds things all together, even mysteries like virgin births, or do I worship at the feet of a God of certainty, a God of my own making? Joseph trusts his dream. He goes with the, like the narrow path and enters the, the dance of mystery. And later another dream will guide his choices. And it's found in Matthew, and it, it says it's about the baby again. You know, take off to Egypt, protect the baby. And so he does. You know, and I look at this whole story and take wonder how, at how God became so vulnerable to the decisions of a dusty human being like me and you. And God depended on Joseph to go against the cultural and religious norms so that God's plan would come to pass. It wasn't a nice, sweet, pretty Christmas carol. This was out of the box. Yeah. And it all hinged on Joseph and what he chose to do. And a dream swayed the momentum of Joseph's thinking. But you approach the world of your dreams. You know, like my dreams absolutely fascinate me, and I consider them as simply another way, possible way that God can speak. I'm currently reading Soul Therapy by Thomas More, and I just want to read you lots of quotes to put into your thought blender. So here are some. It's a mysterious thing, yet nothing could be more ordinary. We go to bed at night fall into a state we call sleep, and then visit lands of nearly pure fantasy. We revisit people from the past, those who have gone before us, and people we never knew. We do things that contradict the laws of nature, like flying in the air by flapping our arms. We have nightmares that make the heart pound with fear. Then we wake up saying we had a dream, when actually we were in a dream. In dreams, I am a participant. I sense a continuity between the person I am in life and the dream ego that I 
experiencing the dream. Yet the dream ego may be quite different in other respects from who I am in waking life. I meet a friend there, too, who in most respects is the same person I know in life, yet he may do something entirely unlike him. He feels like the person I know, but he is clearly someone else. He lives in the realm of the dream. And that's Thomas More's Soul Therapy. And here's another quote from his, his, uh, this chapter. We are in a rare society that does not take dreams seriously. Many intelligent people in the past have used dreams to help them find their way. Patricia, 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 uh, Fox Miller, 1994, wrote that close to 2,000 years ago, dreams functioned to bring submerged thoughts and fears to conscious awareness and provoke the dreamer to new forms of interaction with the world. They were barometers of inner dispositions and as roadmaps for negotiating the intersection of personal conscience and public action. The fascination with dreams that many people have today is no doubt a reaction to the failure of society to take them seriously. We are now hungry to reconnect with this deep country of the psyche that promises to resolve many of our problems. For centuries, brilliant writers have explored theories about dreaming and methods for dealing with them. People have used dreams for divination and have understood them as visitations by angels and other spirits, hints about the future and patterns from dreamers, the dreamer's psychological life. Thomas More, Soul Therapy. Christmas has the invitation to explore a mystery. God steps out of the heavenlies to set up a tent in our campsite. <laughs> John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and tabernacled or set up tent among us. And Joseph had a dream. Here's some more quotes for you to think about. Yeah, they're all from um, Thomas More. Uh, many modern people have trouble with dreams because they don't usually think metaphorically. If they were to look at more paintings or read more poetry, they would be used to think in at multiple levels that are accessible only through metaphor. If you are habitually if you habitually notice metaphors, you can get a great deal from dreams without resorting to many techniques and theories. Thomas More. One word associated with dreams from ancient times and still used by today, by some today, is incubation. This word, of course, is used for birds sitting patiently on their eggs, waiting for them to hatch. What a perfect image for dealing with dreams. Sit with them patiently and keep them warm until they are ready to open up and reveal they are what they are all about. Let the dream interpret you. Let it affect you. Uh, let it affect the way you think and express yourself. Let it give you a glimpse of its mysteries. Let it give you language to use and the meaning to cherish. Let the dream teach you to be dreamier, more reflective, and in some ways less active. Become a priest of the dream world, not its conqueror. Allow the dream to make you less forceful and analytical, and more poetic and imaginative. The goal in the dream work may not be interpretation at all, but an invitation to live more fully in the realm of the dream. Jung once remarked that your dream work is not finished until you notice what it is asking of you. He used a strong phrase. 
and ethical demand. With a dream, you are really certain about the final interpretation. You accept all the various ways of understanding it and allow a response to emerge. And the final quote, I walk through the caves of a dream. No, I walk through the caves of dream and phantasms whirl around me. Memories fall like rain. And I see myself as in a mirror darkly. Thomas More, Soul Therapy. Some questions. Have you had times when you have felt that your brain is in the middle of a tug of war? Number two, how have dreams influenced your life? Number three, what aspect of the Christmas story challenges your need for a God of certainty? Hey, um, I hope you had a lovely Christmas um, and that the coming year will be full of hope and goodness to you. I also pray that um, you would learn to kind of dance in your dream. Um, learn to listen to God speaking to you through that means and um, find new hope. And if you want to email me, I'd love to hear from you. It's barry at turningthepage.co.nz And if you found this helpful, uh, consider sharing it with um, your friends and your, and your social networks. And also just um, also consider becoming a uh, financial supporter of Turning the Page. It truly does help to just help keep on putting this stuff out. Hey, thanks very much, and I pray you have a great 2023. Okay, bye.